Welcome to The Sale Ring, a podcast dedicated to real estate brokers, agents, and America's top auctioneers that keep the markets moving. Join your hosts, Sean and Trina, as they talk with most successful realtors, marketing and technology experts, investors, and influencers. This show is devoted to all industry professionals looking to up their game and stay up to date. Welcome to The Sale Ring. Welcome to this episode of the Sale Ring Podcast Show. Trina, how are you doing today? I am wonderful. How are you? I'm doing awesome, as Good. usual. As usual. Okay. We've got a very special guest in Studio B. We've got Mr. Jason Roski is with yeah. us. Jason, how are you? I'm doing great, Sean. Trina, how are you awesome. doing? It's good to see you again, man. Absolutely. It's been a minute. It uh, has been a little while for sure. Jason is a professional auctioneer and an appraiser. We got uh, we got some interesting things to talk about because what he auctions and, and the appraisal services, I think you're going to find this very interesting. He runs a company called KC Auction and Appraisal Company here in great uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Yep. And uh, how long have you done that? I'm on the KC Auction Company about uh, 13 or 14 years now. Been in the antique industry since I was knee high to a pup. Knee high to a pup. Yeah, my pup? mom. Huh. My mom drug my brother and I to garage sales as kids, and we could either sit in the hot car and complain or have her try and buy us something. We were rarely successful, but we tried to get her to buy his toys and crap like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What's the first thing you ever collected? Probably Coca Cola stuff. Way back in the day, cheap nice. stuff. I couldn't afford signs, but uh, all the little blotters and bottle cap, bottle caps, and the bottles and things like that. You'd pick them up, bottle openers. Uh, garage sales and stuff for little or nothing. But that was probably the first thing I collected on any level. Nothing serious. Do you so. still collect that? No, but I got out of that a long time yeah. ago. Okay. Uh, got older, got married. We uh, started looking and focusing more on uh, decorative arts, paintings, De- things nice. like that. So yeah. Stacy and I collect a lot of artwork. We uh, have it all around the house, stacked up in the closets. More so- co- more expensive items than bottle caps and yes. Coca-Cola bottles. Yes, and we collect uh, tuition for our boys at school. So that's <laughs> yeah. our collecting. Collects money. Uh, yeah, nice. well, other people collect our money now. Yeah, that's, that's uh, how that works. Did you ever go around when you were a kid and collect bottles and take them in for sale? Did you used to take like bottles recycling? to the store? And- no, I'm from a small town. We didn't have a recycling store anywhere nearby, so it didn't make sense to do that. I sold newspapers. Uh, my brother and I actually drove around and kind of wagon wagon and we actually sold rocks door to door rocks for landscaping you know oh okay like large rocks or well as large as you know five and eight year old boys could carry which wasn't very big looking back on it but did you make a lot of money in this endeavor yeah no not so much i was gonna say we did not we did not pursue this into the nursery market for rocks out there that's that's awesome it was a rocks door to door. Unless you go like, you know, suburban lawn and garden, you can buy rocks and people do. So. Listen, that doesn't speak well for every neighborhood across this country. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a select neighborhood to buy rocks. I mean, uh-huh. they're either uh, just really, really good people or uh, eh, not so smart. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's a great, I love this. I love this conversation so far already. <laughs> when we were kids, we, uh, the wagon. We had the wagon. We would gather up Coke bottles or pop bottles, and we didn't have recycling stores or centers. You just took them to the grocery store. Oh, sure. And the grocery store, I, I think they give you uh, ten cents a bottle. Right. You know, is it a nickel? Is that or what 10 that cents? thing is on like the side of Coke? It's like five cents a bottle or yeah. whatever the old, bo- huh? Yeah. Used to be able to send those in, and they would uh, they clean them all up and sanitize them and refill them. Yeah. So. 
No, I never did that, but I, looking back, I probably should have. It would probably been more successful than selling her hocks. <laughs> Who knows? Now I want to go try that. I'm going to uh, I'm gonna find a weekend. And yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm gonna, <laughs> just go out in the backyard and dig up what you find and take I'm them just to the neighbor's go find house. some really, really cool looking <laughs> rocks and just go door to door and say, listen, have I got a deal for you? <laughs> I brought the river rocks to your house. <laughs> <laughs> these are just salesman samples. If you like these, I've got a whole trunk full of them in my car. You got a pickup truck. Now you can get an entire load of them. That's exactly right. Yeah. Let's uh, <laughs> let's do a little landscaping, one rock at a time. There you go. I think instead of charging by the job, if you charge by the rock, there's profit to be made there, there my friend. There probably is. Sell them sand by the, by the grain. <laughs> so as you, as you started collecting early on, you had a passion for it, Coca-Cola stuff. You said you got out of that, so you probably do not have a lot of your Coca-Cola stuff or any items left. What's the first thing that you collected that you still have? Oh, that's a good question. Probably watches. I, uh, for a while, I liked the 1940s uh, men's wrist watches, and I have like 30 of them in a drawer. Not very good ones. Again, I didn't have much money. I was buying the gold fill, not the gold ones, uh, but the 1940s tank style watches. They were a little bit smaller, and uh, I, I have them in a drawer yet somewhere. I keep threatening to get them out and sell them, but they're still not worth a lot of money, and they just stay in the drawer. Yeah, and they kind of represent a period in your life where, yeah, this is what I was into. And right, exactly. It's kind of fun, and I still like them. I still like looking at them, but now I've gotten old. My eyes are weaker. I have big watches that have big numbers on them. <laughs> they have those. You'll have a big button telephone. You know if they make the Jitterbug watch, that's, <laughs> that's something that a guy would be in the market for, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so if you're listening Jitterbug phone company out there, Think about the Jitterbug watch for uh, us older gents. Absolutely. Yeah. Tired eyes. We should get a referral for yours commission on that one. Fine. Ex exactly. I'm going to train up. Let's track that down. Jitterbug, we need you to sponsor this show, please. That's exactly right. We're <laughs> looking for a sponsor, Jitterbug. <laughs> well, we talk about that time period in your life. I, I do that. So over the years, I just have come across something that meant something to me at the time. And it's completely worthless now it's it's you know i have things just are in a box or in a drawer in storage that don't mean a lot but as i pull that out and i look at it you know if nothing else i just reminisce about uh you know it, it just represents a time period brings back some memories and you right. know it's it's kind of good to keep it around and i think you both have much larger houses than i have i don't have room for boxes of things from my past in my house i don't keep stuff like that around pocket watches fit my underwear drawer I mean, yeah i mean pocket watches yeah. are one thing but he's talking about boxes of stuff i have his... two storage units <laughs> okay uh, there you go next on hoarders <laughs> yes that's a huge huge thing <laughs> yeah, we talk about that all the time in our business to people spending money on storage units is not a smart or wise investment well unless you're so buying I the have whole a, like Outfit, I have, right? I have a caveat to that is the storage units are not actually for boxes of memorabilia and things that I've kept. We have larger items like boats yeah. and things. So I have those right now just to keep them out of the weather, out of the element. And you're right. Yeah, you know, we, the storage units on two of those uh, on a monthly payment, you if you had the land and you had a building erected to put those in, you could be making the payments on that building just as easy. It's like absolutely. renting a house. Yeah. Yeah, we talk about that. You know, we do a weekly uh, show on our Facebook page, uh, and we talk about 
especially estates with antiques and collectibles. People have an emotional attachment to them. What do they do? So oftentimes they end up in a storage unit. And we, we try and tell people and counsel them to, when it's time to decide, you really need to decide. Um, you might want to give yourself a little bit of a time frame to work on that and get through the emotions and the process process of making sure that the cousins and the brothers and the sisters and the in-laws get what they want and need. But we've talked to people who've had things in storage five and ten years. And oh my. They've spent way more money than the objects were ever worth. But it was only $80 a month. Well, yeah. that's $1,000 a year. Yeah. So that's not what we want to talk about today, but just kind of led into it. No. I've... It's good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I think it applies to a lot of people in, in, all, in real estate, too. I mean, I think, you know, I, people keep houses and properties and families that they're not using just because, the, you know, the, my mom had it, grandma had it. It doesn't cost them much to own it. I had, a, you know, somebody contact me the other day that I'd worked for five years ago that they kept the townhouse. Well, they've had this townhouse sitting empty for five years, and now they're like, what do we do with it? So I think it's a, a conversation that a lot of us have in this industry when we're talking to a lot of estate liquidation, you know, a lot of people in an estate situation looking at dealing with mom and dad's or grandma's property, grandpa's property. What do we do with it? How do we best process that situation? The Sale Ring, online at www.thesalering.com. We're going to talk uh, about the antique markets, and I know we'll touch on social media is one of the things that we wanted to visit with you a little bit about. Mm-hmm. Um, as we get into that antique market, the personal property, and we'll separate those two out, but let's let's focus on social media okay. for a few minutes, because you made a great point as we were setting this show up and, and we were talking about social media and topics, and everybody talks about Facebook. Mm-hmm. And we use Facebook a lot. And Facebook's great. Yep. And and I think there's a lot of uh, educational videos and, and tutorials on Facebook. I think that there's a lot of conversations around Facebook. But there are some other social media sites that are getting kind of the stepchildren out there that's getting left in the dust. And let's talk about those. Sure, because absolutely. there's some really relevant stuff that you're doing that we were excited to hear about today. Yeah. So we started using uh, LinkedIn and Instagram are the two other social media sites that we use the most. We use YouTube uh, as a platform for our videos, but we don't do much focus there. Uh, LinkedIn and Instagram are the two that we're getting really good results from. We're not spending any money there or very little money. So it's very organic and it's taking time. But the conversations, the leads, the brand presence and growth is really, really noticeable there. And we're getting some really good conversations and and business because of it. When you say leads, are you getting leads both from buyers and sellers? Because you're an auctioneer. Yep. So it's much like real estate. You list property, then you have to go find buyers. So Absolutely. are these listing like seller leads or are they buyer leads or both? They're getting, we're getting both. We, um, in the last month, uh, between the three platforms we use, we have had inquiries for sellers from at least a dozen states oh, wow. um, from as far away as the Philippines. Oh. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And they're, they've watched us. They've engaged with us. And, and you know, there's a big conversation around engagement. How many likes, how many comments, how many shares do you get? And that's all important. But the exposure, the reach is equally as important because a lot of people see these things and don't engage, but they're watching everything you do. You know, in the old days of auctions, I call them stand around and wait all day auctions. I used to do them. I loved them at the time. But people went to auctions and didn't bid, but they were there. And we counted them in our tallies. And they were good because they helped create, in a sense, a community, but they were almost always shopping for something, either an object or a seller. And the same thing holds true on social media platforms, especially on Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook. 
a lot of people watch what we're doing and other companies, what they're doing to determine if that's a company they want to represent their family's estate, their family's antiques and collections. Because at the end of the day, the, the, one of the things that we leave behind is a legacy. And that legacy for what we sell is their collections. And so people understand or feel that we treat their legacies, their collections with the respect and honor that they deserve and want. And they see that in our daily activity on those platforms. So that's helping, obviously, with the seller leads. Mm-hmm. And then you're gaining buyer recognition. My, my perception, let's talk about Instagram real quick. My okay. perception of Instagram is with a very young audience. Yeah, me too. It's a very young audience. Yeah. You know, there's, uh, let me have it written down. I think 64% of their users are between 18 and 34 years of age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do they have a lot of property to sell yet? No. But do they influence those who do? Absolutely, mm-hmm. they do. You know, my son, my oldest son is 17. He talks to me about stuff all the time that I listen to. And he's getting influenced from somewhere. And one of those places he's getting influenced from is Instagram. He's on Instagram regularly. He's on Snapchat. Mm-hmm. I've looked at that a little bit. I don't understand it. Um, it's a <laughs> There's really, not a lot to understand about Snapchat. <laughs> except that there are people making millions of dollars a year off of oh, Snapchat. Yeah. And I do not that's the part I don't understand. How are they converting that into leads and business and revenue? Uh, I understand it on Instagram because Instagram is very inspirational. It's very aspirational. When you like something on Instagram, you find things that you like. You follow hashtags that relate to you and the things that you like and the things that you find. Facebook's biggest hang up is the echo chamber. You know, you just, you get back what you put out there and you engage with those you engage that support you, affirm you, as opposed to inform you. Mm-hmm. The same is true on Instagram, but a, you know, a third of the most popular posts on, on Facebook are political based. And so there's no conversation around politics that isn't passionate and heated and generally speaking in a negative way for somebody in the conversation. Instagram, there's very little politics. It's all feel good. It's all pretty. It's all stuff that we want to be associated with. It's what we live for every day. If you're, if you like hunting and the United country has got a great presence in the hunting industry, you go, you know, look up Kansas hunting. You see beautiful pictures of, you know, fields of, and, and skies full of birds and, you know, deer and pheasants and turkeys either being hunted or just after the hunt, you see these beautiful pictures and it makes you inspired to go out there and do that. And so it really is a great place to promote what you're selling, especially for real estate. You know, hunting real estate is a great place to showcase that. It's also a great place to have people talk about what you're doing. So I'll take a stab for a guy that is not using Instagram. Okay. And uh, you list something for auction. And let's say it's um, a piece of Roseville pottery. Mm-hmm. There is a group on Instagram that would show passion or a like for a preference for Roseville pottery, right. you're able to find them right. so that they can pull that photo out of the millions of photos that are on there and they can see that and, and read about it. Is that correct? Yeah. So to be found on Instagram, there's a couple of different ways. People just follow your page because they like you, they know of you. The other is through hashtag searches. So you would make sure you have the hashtag Roseville pottery um, so that somebody who's, and you can search by and have static searches in Instagram for the things that you want, whether it's Roseville pottery or Thomas Hart Benton artwork or Oak furniture or Mossberg rifles, whatever it is, you can have your your keyword set that if when something comes up in that realm, you're going to see that picture. You're going to see that image. On your feed or yeah. On your feed, on the screen. So you can feed. actually set a feed up as Trina just said. Mm-hmm. It's 
If you show a preference for that, every time something's posted with that hashtag, it will automatically send it to you. Absolutely. Oh, that's interesting. And a lot okay. of people do because if you like Roseville pottery or, you know, Wedgwood pottery or Steuben glassware or whatever it is, you want to know when the next piece is coming up. And sometimes the pictures are absolutely horrendous, but other times they're strikingly beautiful. Or there's a picture of a setting with Steuben glass in it, and it's a really pretty setting. And so if you're using Instagram as a way to market your company, you want to make sure that you have good quality photographs and use similar photography techniques every time you post because people associate that with the company, with whoever's posting. Consistency, absolutely. If you look at, there's filters you can use, there's the way you write your text, all those things influence certain behaviors. And there are tons of resources available online to help you determine what's most popular, what's most common. Generally speaking, a monochromatic field of color is better than separate different bold colors. Because it just is more appealing. And most people, especially Instagram, it's not a desktop. It's all mobile. It's Mm -hmm. an iPad at the biggest. But generally speaking, it's people on their phone. And so you're scrolling through, you know, if you're there for 15, 20 minutes, you will see hundreds, if not thousands of pictures. And so the ones that make you stop and click like or comment have to strike a chord with you emotionally. And so you really, you become, as, as you do it more and more, you become more attuned to what is responded to on your page. And you start taking pictures in that way more often, usually a long raking photograph, like a, as opposed to just centered the image, having it more of a deep perspective gets more intriguing and more like what's in there. And mm-hmm. so those are the things you really start to study when you use Instagram in, in particular. Instagram, Trina. Yeah. Start using it today. I might have to. It's it's a great tool. to. Can, to you, can you unhashtag things like I don't ever want to see these things? You just won't. Okay. Because they... They It won't find you because you're not looking for it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, every once in a while something will, but generally speaking, it's not going to because, you know, let's say you like blue pottery, green isn't going to show up in your feed. If you like, you know, if you're looking for colonial style houses... Uh, arts and crafts bungalow is not going to show up in your feed. Yeah. But if it's if it's hashtag blue pottery mm-hmm. and somebody puts in a piece of pottery that says hashtag pottery, yeah. is that going to pull towards you because it's got a partial recognition in it? No, it doesn't. Okay. Um, and that's something else to really look at. And we do that quite a bit. We have a we have a base set of key uh, hashtags that we use for most of our listings. Uh, we use hashtags like Brimfield Brimfield Antique Markets because that's a huge antique market that happens three times a year in Brimfield, Massachusetts. They'll have Tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people visit that location every year. And so a lot of people look and see what's at Brimfield based on that. So I use that hashtag. I use High Top because it's a design-centric hashtag. That's High Top for North Carolina is where furniture is made in America for the most part. And they have a big trade show there every year. So we do a lot of antiques that are also in the design world. Uh, a lot of art, a lot of fine furniture, rugs, things like that. And so our merchandise that we offer regularly appeals to that buyer base. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also engage with designers regularly. The other thing, you know, when you're talking about promoting your business on Instagram, you want to engage with people who are in industries that are similar but different than yours or people who have a presence in your industry. You know, again, when I was looking at Kansas hunting, uh, this kid who's a minor league baseball player in the Baltimore Orioles uh, system was recently hunting in Kansas and posted pictures of him hunting. And he posted pictures of him fishing. 2,400 likes on his post. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of comments. Well, if you give him, and he's a minor league baseball player. I'll tell you what, 500 bucks to him and a, and a, hunt, a weekend hunting. 
Yeah. He would be all over that for a week and you would have thousands and thousands and thousands of people seeing your feed through his eyes. And it's really, really powerful. We use it. We work with a woman here in town, the maker Rista. She's out of um, Lee Summit, has 62,000 followers. And she is almost all fashion and design and furniture. And it really does, when we have her in the office, and it's 500 bucks, she spends two, three, four hours there, posts like 40 or 50 stories on her timeline. We'll get hundreds of people engaged on our page. Dozens of people register for the auction. Outstanding. Great conversation so far on the show. We're going to break and listen uh, to uh, our sponsors while we're away at break. So we're going to try this Instagram out. I'm going to have um, I'm going to have Linda come in, take a picture with Jason and Trina and I, and we're going to put that up on your Instagram account out there. We'll figure out the hashtags for podcast shows. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more from Jason Roski on The Sale Room. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Find great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com, the way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. Thinking about selling a real estate investment but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? UnitedCountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to UnitedCountry.com and find your freedom. And we're back in the studio with Jason Roski. That was interesting. While we were away <laughs> at the commercial break out here with our sponsors, uh, Jason took a shot of all of us at the table and then posted that to Instagram. Yep. Pretty cool. Yeah. So we uh, had one of the guys here take a video of the three of us here at the table, posted it on Instagram, shared that also to Facebook at the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, my guess is that within an hour, we'll have over 100, 150 people look at it. Within a day, there'll be over a thousand people have looked at that video. And uh, it's kind of like I hearken social media marketing at that level as your elevator sales pitch, right? We all have an elevator pitch that we have worked Mm on ad nauseum that when somebody says, what do you do? I X, Y, Z. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn are all those same kinds of things, except you're reaching hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people every time you do that. And they're people who are interested in what you're saying already. Hmm. 
And so it's such a powerful tool. I have a lady in St. Louis driving a collection of antiques over because of that conversation that we started on Instagram, on Facebook. And I never talked to her. I didn't know who she was. She said, I just followed you for about two years now. And it's time to sell. My kids don't want it. And I love the way you guys present things on Facebook, the way you present your catalogs, the results you're getting. And I don't find anybody in St. Louis that I want to work with. And I know there's some good houses in St. Louis that could take the job and do it well. But she's coming to Kansas City. Wow. Good for you. You didn't turn her around? <coughs> Say, ah, go back to St. Louis and... No, not just start doing a bunch of business with me. You're going to put me in a higher tax bracket, and I just that's that whole headache. I'm willing to risk that. Are you? You're willing to take that on? Good for you, man. You know that's uh, that's exactly why um, you're a smart business guy, and you're digging in and and talking about strategies like this. That um, these are the up and comers. These are these. You know, if the traditional methods, we just had somebody on break talking about Facebook. And the tightening and the targeting of real estate markets on Facebook, there will be platforms out there that will take that place. So as one of the mediums out there, the constraints get too tight, people will migrate over to another advertising medium. Yeah. and, And the thing about Facebook and Instagram and the things you can do there that attract the kind of people you want to target, but that you can't necessarily target anymore. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you think about this, I was thinking about this about you guys. You have a great corporate sponsor partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Mm-hmm. You can you can solve several problems for your for your potential clients at one time. Ducks Unlimited prints used to bring a lot of money; they don't anymore. But people have them, and they need to get rid of them. They want to get rid of them. If you're a, an auctioneer in Central Kansas, Central Missouri, or Wyoming, wherever. Well, how hard would it be to put out an email to your existing database saying, hey, we're going to put together a Ducks Unlimited benefit auction online only. We want to sell Ducks Unlimited prints. All the money raised is going to go to this foundation, this organization. Mm-hmm. You get to get rid of things that you don't want anymore. All the money goes to a charity we all love. And you're going to get so much free publicity in the area that you want to be known for. And it costs you nothing but some time. Yeah. That's a no-brainer. That's a no-brainer. We do the same thing. We do a lot of antiques and, and artwork. So I do a lot of appraisal events with like the Clay County Historical Society. We Several years ago, because of that event, I had a $65,000 painting sell through us. Mm. That's worth a few hours on a Sunday once yeah. a year. I was just up in St. Joe at the Albrecht Kemper Museum of Art doing an appraisal fair. I'll, you know, I have several of these I do every year. And I promote them on my Facebook page, my Instagram page, and the people who are associated with those organizations see that and they engage with us. The people who like those things see that and engage with us and it puts us front of mind. We share a lot of information on all these platforms about the industry at large, whether it's you know appraisal information, whether it's auction information, whether it's dealing with family information. We'd really try and look at it kind of as a third, a third, a third. A third is promoting things we're selling. A third of it is industry-specific. And then Mm -hmm. a third is just kind of fun, uh, great pictures of things. And it seems to work out really well because people get bored if you're always trying to sell. Yeah. And they won't engage if you're doing that. Yeah. We've talked about that in the past a few times as well, how advertising affects all your social media marketing and how it needs to appear. So as you're not just advertising all the time. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a matter of having a conversation more than selling proposition. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. it can be really effective. Being able to pull out, especially in personal property, where you can pull 
model names or manufacturer names or specifics about an individual item and then send that to an audience, actually deliver that or cater to an audience that's interested in just that, mm-hmm. that's invaluable on in the personal property Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Whether it's, whether it's auctions or flea markets or you know resellers or or uh, what, they, what do they call them tag companies, home sale, anybody that's in that market that's doing that that's that's an invaluable tool. So that's the one thing that stood out to me about the Instagram strategy is people that have a, the a, a passion for the hashtags <laughs> yeah. for really unique. Mm-hmm. Like specifics, you can get down to specifics and you may not get as many things sent to you. But when the, when you do, it's actually what you're interested it's, in. It's much more powerful and much more impactful. You look up hunting on Instagram, there's going to be millions of posts with the mm-hmm. hunting hashtag. Kansas hunting, there's just 11,000. Uh, Missouri hunting, there's less than that because there's not as much hunting land in Missouri. You know, and it, it just all those things. You know, the internet is, people think of this being huge, international, monolithic, absolute monstrosity of a thing. And that's true, but it's really geared anymore towards your neighborhood and those things that you're passionate about in your world. Mm-hmm. And it's amazingly powerful. John Schultz says it's creepy, and it is that too, <laughs> the amount of information that they have about us and they can use and access about yeah. us. But it's it's where we are at, and it's not going to get any less intrusive. Which is, you know, those who use the technology smartly today will put themselves in position to be successful. You're listening to the Sale Ring Podcast, taking real estate and auction to the next level. Let's talk a little bit, Jason, about the antique markets. You've been in that business for, remind me again. 25 some years, something like that. 25 plus years. You've been uh, an antique collector, uh, an appraiser, an evaluator, and also a a merchant or I hate the word liquidator, but an auctioneer. Right. Uh, You've been a disposition strategy for unique and and collectible items. That business has changed. Mm -hmm. As a professional auctioneer, I mean, anybody that's in the auction business for any length of time remembers when antiques and collectibles and certain items used to, and just general merchandise used to bring more money right. at auction. Those markets have constricted. They've, they've tightened up and, and it's softened. Where do you see the art, uh, the, the collectibles that you deal with? Where do you see that in contrast to the last 10 years? Is it, has it tightened significantly? Do you see some of those markets kind of exploding or taking off or tell us, tell us a little bit about, what you do and who you cater to. Right. So 10 years ago, we were right at the the brunt of the last major recession we've experienced, mm-hmm. 2007, 8, 9. So 10 years ago puts us right in the middle of that. We were giving stuff away. I mean, and we started our business about that time with the live auctions. We were doing on-sites and has been the auction business, you know, antique business before that. But realistically, that was the hardest time. You would sell a good oak dresser for $35 because mm-hmm. there's just nobody bidding. In the last... Five years, in the last two years in particular, we have noticed a huge uptick in the amount of activity in our auctions, partly because the housing market is racing, like the housing values are up. And when people sell houses, buy houses, they always have things they need to sell because they don't have room for and they have places to buy things to put in new. Um, They also feel more comfortable with cash, so they're buying, they're upgrading their current collections. And so we're seeing a lot of that. What we see a little bit of a challenge with is people feel flush. They're not selling some of the finer things uh, when the recession hits. People will sell the things that they kept when the money was good because the money is worth more than the 
object at that point. So but we're seeing a huge uptick in younger buyers, in decorating buyers, all those things, partly because of the economy, but also because of the things we're doing with the social media marketing. We're reaching yeah. out to those demographics that don't care about an auction, but they're looking for a great mirror. So we market a great mirror or we market a great painting. We market, we hardly ever market an auction anymore. We used to put in the paper a state auction of so-and-so and list the top 20 things and we'd have hundreds of people show up. Mm-hmm. That kind of marketing doesn't work anymore because everybody, we just talked about the hashtags, the hashtag world where people just want to look at the things they want to look at. They could care less that we've got a fantastic red wing crock that's worth $8,000 because it's rare, rare, rare. But the mirror that's next to it, they really want, but they would never look at that if you didn't point that out to them. So it's a matter of putting the right objects in front of the right people at the right time. So the liquidation event or the sales event is still an auction. That's the format that you're using to to move the item, the competitive bid process. What do you call that event? Well, we do call it an auction, but... In you know, and and John Schultz, I hate to bring him up regularly, but you've talked to him on this show before. He's yeah, he's very, fantastic, very smart guy, and he you know he has a luxury of this is all he does in an auction industry is he markets auctions. Mm-hmm. Um, we will say, like in our last auction, we had a great group of furniture and decorative arts, and we used a Facebook carousel ad, ten of those objects we put out there, and we said things like you know, fantastic Regency mirror for sale at auction. Uh, so and then our company name shows up in those ads, so people know it's an auction, right? They're, they can read. We all act like they don't, but they do, mm-hmm. um, and they click on the link and then they get the information. So it's really about getting the people to the page. You know, the buy it now situation doesn't exist for us, but so you're just marketing the items themselves, not necessarily the auction event itself. Yeah, we and we, we do a little bit of an auction overview mar- marketing campaign as well. Mm-hmm. We use um, boosted posts for that that show up to more of a generic audience, those who follow us because we are an auction company, those are mainly our wholesale buyers. Those that look at all of our auctions, all the objects in the auction, they'll bid on anything if the price is right. That's what we use boosted posts for. That's kind of like, you know, putting a flyer up at the grocery store. Yeah. The targeted ads, the ones that we do for just the furniture and just the jewelry and just the silver, those are focused to people who've bought like that before and look like they'll buy from like that again. Well, and that may be where the sellers follow you also. If they see you as an auction company out right. there, obviously yeah. you're trying to solicit the next client. Right, next. absolutely. And But I think if I'm hearing you right, you're not spending all of your eggs and you're not putting all of your eggs in the basket of marketing and auction. Right. Yes, there's an auction event, but we're going to focus our time and expertise on these select items out there that are going to drive the audience to the event. Yeah, on our last auction, we had six specific campaigns running on Facebook for different asset classes. And those were items, primarily items or groups of items that were in that auction. Yeah. The jewelry we had broke out, furniture and and mirrors and decorative arts we had broke out, uh, art glass, Asian antiques. There's, oh, artwork, Kansas City artwork, because it is a Mm -hmm. different market. Last year, we sold 943 paintings. This year, we're on contract to do about 700 paintings, plus bronzes and prints and things like that. We sell a lot of art, and there is a distinct difference in buyers of local art than in art in general. And we have broken down our database into distinct lists for that. We have art buyers. We Mm -hmm. have Kansas City art buyers. They cross, but they're definitely distinct as well. And then when we do the lookalikes, we play with that as well, so we can... And then we focus our dollars where we think that money's best spent. So on our furniture, we don't spend money advertising that nationally because to ship a desk, a chest of drawers is five, six, seven hundred dollars. That's not 
they're going to pay a lot more. But on glassware and jewelry, we spend money advertising that nationally. Hmm. So with that in mind, we're going to slip away and hear from our sponsors when we come back, Jason. I want to ask you about uh, what, what are the hot items? What particular items or segments do you pull out uh, to drive that audience there? More from Jason Roski in just a few minutes. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? UnitedCountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to UnitedCountry.com and find your freedom. Thinking about selling a real estate investment, but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Find great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com. The way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. And we're back with Jason. Uh, so when we slipped away to commercial, we were talking about uh, the hot items, the big ticket items. If you have 100 or two or 300 lots that are in an auction, what are some of the markets that you, the different segments or elements of the market that you look at that's going to drive the audience? What What's the big ticket items? So what, what our buyers are looking for most often are things that are unique or of high quality. Mm -hmm. um, we tell our clients regularly, if it was expensive new, it's going to be expensive in the secondary or antique market. It doesn't matter if it was made yesterday or 100 years ago. Tiffany jewelry has always been Tiffany jewelry. Yeah. And they've always had good, better, best. But if you have Tiffany in your auction, people who understand that name are going to look. So we're going to, we're going to promote and highlight those objects that have the most aspirational effect for people. I, ne I couldn't afford to buy that when we got married 30 years ago. But we, the kids are out of the house. We can afford to spend $5,000 on a ring I like now. I want to look and see what they are. They may not buy, but they, they, they'll at least look. Uh, and you talked about reaching sellers in that same way. When you're using a lookalike audience, that lookalike audience is going to be in every range of the spectrum. They're going to be new collectors to old collectors to those whose parents collected. And presenting those things well will bring you a lot of buyers, too. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the old auction, the old you know, standard weight auction. You know, you do, if you're a good auctioneer, you engage the crowd for six hours. The sellers appreciated that, and they would come to you to sell. If you can engage the buyers in that asset class, the sellers will come to you to sell their goods, too. That makes perfect sense. Some of the old standbys, you know, are um, guns. Mm -hmm. Guns always seem to be hot ticket yeah. items, but coins. Yep. Coins are always a hot item. 
Yeah. Um, I, I think if I'm hearing you right, jewelry and expensive jewelry, mm-hmm. there's a market for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, jewelry, uh, good artwork is like, you know, we're selling that much art. Obviously, there's a reason for it. Good silver. Anything that's better quality in any of the asset classes, whether it's furniture or rugs or jewelry or silver, if it's better quality, it's going to attract more attention. You know, we sold a silver, basically vase as a wine cooler, but you brought over $10,000 recently. It was $2,000 worth of silver. That was a really, really good thing, though. Mm-hmm. So it really just drove bidders and, and, and things. The, the high bidder ended up being a dealer from New York City. He would have brought five grand here in Kansas City at most on a really, really good day. And I had tons of comp- competition for it because it was an aspirational piece. It's a collector-grade piece. It's something that you don't see hardly ever, especially in the Midwest. And so it, it really just, it, it stuck, struck a note with a lot of people. What was it again? It was a wine cooler. So basically a, a big vase form that would you would put, you know, Like ice a decanter or something that, yeah. That you would put your bottle of mm-hmm. wine inside of. They sell them, you know, you can buy cheap ones for 25, 30 bucks at, you know, Ikea for, you know, and, but this was 1840s, I think, 1850s. Sterling silver had heads on it and vines and it was all sterling. It was, you know. 12, 14 inches tall and impressive, massive, stately, uh, just one of those great things that even people who didn't like silver were impressed with it. Was it a specific company, the manufacturer on it? Was it a notable company? It was a, yeah, it was a, a manufacturer, a silversmith that uh, was is a known silversmith from that time frame in England. I'm, I wasn't, I don't have the name off the top of my head, but it's, yeah. if you're in that world, it was a name that's, oh, they, they made really good stuff. And it was obvious that they made good stuff based on this. Well, and, and to your point earlier, in the 1850s, is that what you said? Mm-hmm. It, that was an expensive piece to buy yeah. in. So Yeah, they maybe only made 10 of them. Yeah. You know, and, and so, because they can only sell that many, right? Whereas the, a similar thing that was, and that was probably, I was only, let's say it was 500 bucks back then. You could buy comparable ones back then for 5 and $10, but this one was, you know, 100 a times five, that. Yeah. So it was an expensive, expensive object 150 years ago. That is very true. Tell your friends you get your information on the Sale Ring Podcast Show. Let's talk about art just a little bit. I am not well-versed in, in art or the sale of art. What is it that most people, everybody sees something different in art, but what is it primarily that they're looking for that that separates paintings, for example? Right. Are they the material that it's on? Is it um, the, the age of it? Obviously, the painter is important, but... Mm-hmm. What makes one piece much more valuable than the other, other than the artist? Right. So, again, cost of acquisition. It costs an artist more to paint an oil painting on good quality canvas than it does a watercolor on paper. And so they can make the watercolor for, let's say, $50 worth of materials. That same oil painting might cost them $200 in materials. It takes longer to paint an oil painting than a watercolor because watercolor you paint it on there. And it literally dries in 20, 30 minutes. And oil painting, good quality oil paints can take days to set and they can't do anything. There, it's a very deliberate process. The things that drive value are location. Where's the painting of? Obviously, we're in Kansas City, so Kansas and Missouri and Kansas City images here are very popular. Uh, Berger Sanzen was an incredibly well-known artist from Lindsburg, Kansas, did great images of the Kansas landscape. Thomas Hart Benton is one of the preeminent painters in America in the 20th century. He's from here. He taught at the Art Institute. The quality of their work is different. When you start looking at, 
And I tell people, like, go to museums and see what you like and look at why you like it. Because art is very subjective. Mm -hmm. There is no right or wrong answer in art. Technically, you can have differences. But if you like an outsider artist whose work is, you know, crude, but you like it, it doesn't matter. Buy it, hang it on the wall, and enjoy it. And don't buy art because it's an investment. It might be. But buy art because you love it. it. It instills passion, pleasure, serenity, whatever it does Whatever it does to you that makes you spend that $100, $1,000, $100,000, whatever that price point is for you, Have those make it mean something to you. And then find out who the artist is. And, and get all the information. It's fun to know, but... Just enjoy it, appreciate it, and it's always better to buy a painting than it is to buy a piece of junk from a mass-produced store. Yeah. Trina, do you have any art? I have art from Ikea. <laughs> exactly what he just said. It's always better not to buy. You well, know, it's, it's is, nice that, it's, is that a Russian painter? I'm not familiar with that yeah, mask yeah. Ikea. Ikea. Yeah. It's Swedish. Japanese. It's Swedish. Swedish, yeah. Swedish painter. Yeah, they were eating meatballs and painting. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's easy, right? Yeah. And I understand that as well. I mean, and art is very, can be very intimidating and daunting to try and buy art because you don't feel, there's no classes on it that you can take to feel more intelligent mm-hmm. about it. It's just a matter of exposing yourself to it. And for a lot of people, it's not worth the time. Like you're very happy with the pictures you have on the wall. Yeah. You have family pictures and you have pictures that you bought because you liked the picture. And that's perfectly fine and normal. But people who buy paintings, they want something that's original. Yeah. And they want people to come to the house and say, you know, and look at it and say, oh, that's beautiful. Well, tell me about that. And there's a story behind it. So there can be more to a painting. A lot of people buy art on vacation. Or at the hotel art sale or whatever. Oh, Everybody has God. that same mountain picture behind their couch. Yeah. I've, I've seen it like 12 or 13 times. Same one. It's yeah. an oil painting. It's pretty, but I've seen it 12 times. Yeah, starving artist sale. Yes. The yeah. other one that's bad is if you're on a cruise. And I don't, mm-hmm. a lot of don't buy art on the cruise ship. Mm-hmm. It's, really? It's the biggest racket. Oh, yeah, their Parkwest Gallery has contract with at least a dozen different cruise lines of those who will have them on the ship anymore. But they've been subject to many lawsuits hmm. because of their sales techniques. It's it's an amazing thing. If you go in there as an auctioneer and listen to them and watch how they perform. I've been a part of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as a, a surprise. As a buyer Let me seller, show you how <laughs> that we is correct. sell things on shore. <laughs> um, but if the, you know, as a seller, if you if you listen to what they're saying, it's it's an amazing dance of language that they have. It is uh, for what they're doing. It is a well oiled machine. Oh, they've yeah. got it. Uh, it's all. It's almost like the timeshare sales. Mm-hmm. A, uh, <laughs> that that is a a very disciplined approach to. I don't know if you want to call it business to sales to sales yeah. to sales. Yeah, it's, I'm not going to call it business. It's it's an amazing sales machine. Uh, we have to. I, I give them credit for that, but they're not selling investment grade art. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, what about you, Sean? What's on your yeah. wall at your house? I yeah. see what your walls look like in here. You've got a T-shirt hanging up and a uh, military military pictures <laughs> and an offshore oil rig. Yeah. Yeah. I just I thought this one over here looked like a good place to go fishing. So, <laughs> off the oil rig? Off of the oil rig. Nice. Out in the Atlantic. That would be cool. Jason, what do you have coming up? Yeah, our next auction is kind of unusual for us. It's a fashion, couture, and jewelry auction. Ooh, uh, that Gu- sounds like a nice time. Gucci purses, Hermes uh-huh. purses, uh, Christian Dior, 
it's it's a, it's a step out of our normal range, but uh, a couple of great closets came our way with designer furniture, I mean designer clothing, women's stuff that uh, has significant value in the yeah. market and a lot of interest, and it feeds into our overall buyer profile. It's like if you sell hunting land, you have gun auctions. We sell jewelry, we will have couture auctions because oh, it's nice. the same kind of, right? It's that same looking at the complete picture of a person who would be interested in, you know, good mirrors and good jewelry. They would also be interested in good purses and good shoes and, and, and good clothing. That's coming up soon. I yeah, take that's it. just that's a couple of weeks. Yeah. So how do they, um, how does the audience find you? Is there a website they can go to? Yeah, kcauctioncompany.com or Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. I'm on all three of those, KC Auction Company on all of them, uh, or Jason Roski on LinkedIn. Uh, that's we use. I don't, I don't sell anything there. That's all informational-based posting as far as uh, industry habits, industry trends, uh, court cases related to it. But yeah, Instagram and LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook, you can see we post every day. Very cool. Well, thank you for being yeah. in the studio with us today. We appreciate it. That's uh, that's our time on the podcast show. And uh, we, we genuinely appreciate it. Jason Roski with the KC Auction and Appraisal Company. You can find him at uh, kcauctioncompany.com. Yep. Go to kcauctioncompany.com. Check out that couture auction that's coming up next. I will. And we will see you next time inside the sale ring. Thank you so much. This episode has ended, but your journey to greatness continues. To access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, head over to www.thesalering.com now. That's www.thesalering.com.